I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Hey folks, this is a bit of a trigger warning here. Brittany and I are going to talk a little bit about the Boulder Massacre that happened um, in our community recently. And uh, we understand if you don't want to listen to that. Um, If that's the case, go ahead and skip around to about the 10-minute mark, and you'll be able to jump right into the action. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, folks. Um, We are back in the studio, so to speak, on Monday, March 29, for our first April release. Wow. It's officially spring. Uh, And my allergies are feeling it. (laughs) Oh, it's so nice. Um, You know, we were able to get away a little bit last week for our spring break or my kid's spring break. And we drove south to try to get to warmer weather Mm -hmm. to camp. And the further south we went, the more snow they had. (laughs) (laughs) So I am really excited about the potential 78 degree weather this weekend. Well, you know, right now it's 70 degrees out and it's like noon uh, and we're going to get snow tomorrow morning. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Such is life in Colorado. That's for sure. Golly, up and down. How was your little vacay time away? Um, It was good. It was really needed. So um, after the current events of last Monday with the tragic and senseless shooting and killings at uh, the Boulder King Supers, it was a really heavy week, to say the least. Um, And, you know, it was nice to get away for a few days. Mm -hmm. But now we're back. Now you're back. And... It's the one year, or one year, oh gosh, one week anniversary of it, so. Mm-hmm. Feeling it today. Yeah. yeah. Well, before you left, we had uh, been talking about what a difference it would be to not be on Zoom for a week. How has that changed your brain structure? Oh, I think all of it, not being on Zoom, um, getting away, getting into nature, All of it, I, you know, definitely came back, like I said, you know, it is the one week anniversary and so I'm still, still very heavy, but I have a new mental clarity that I'm really trying to capitalize on. Mm, That's lovely. Yeah. What about you? I know you didn't leave town, but were you able to find some time over the weekend to find some respite? Yeah. Um, You know, given that I was around last week with the... With the shooting and all, it um, it's really interesting. Um, did you read Vu's article this morning, his latest blog? I saw it come out, but I didn't read it yet. So it's about burnout and um, and just like the productivity drive. Um, and I was finding it like feeling that pressure. Like I've got work to do. I have things I need to accomplish, and my overwhelming grief just overriding mm-hmm. that, and then feeling guilty at the same time, um, yeah. which I, I wonder how much of that is like a unique American perspective, given our hyper productivity, our values around work. 
Um, but a couple days in, I was finally like, fuck it. Like this, this is a tragedy. I don't need to be dealing with meetings and work. And um, so I, I didn't. Um, yeah, I probably worked half a week last week. Um, and then really tried not to use the weekend to catch up much. Instead, I did projects around the house and went on a bike ride and um, did other things that this is going to sound so funny, but it like made me feel connected to community. Mm-hmm. Like even just biking through Old Town and seeing people working on their houses and fixing up their gardens. It it was really grounding um, and helpful for me and my mental state. Um because last last week was just really really fucking hard. I I know this is like the closest I've experienced something like this. Me too, a hundred percent. And you know, my husband took it really hard, and not that he shouldn't, but it's just kind of not in his nature mm-hmm. to show kind of that kind of emotion at least right away. And it took me a while to understand why this one I mean I knew obviously it's so close but I'm like why is he so upset and it finally came out where he said I just I can't I can't keep my family safe oh gosh and I think that that is really kind of what you're talking to talking about too of like reconnecting with community that that has been um the biggest part like one of the biggest parts of the grieving process is being able to understand how this can happen in our what we feel safe tight knit community mm-hmm. and um how do we get that security back yeah yeah you know and i love what you're talking about by going out and reconnecting with community and interacting with people as best as you can and and seeing that we you know we're still here right yeah I was really struck um probably like the day after the statements around like boulder strong were already coming out and I was like I'm I'm not feeling that like none of this feels strong this still feels really fucking scary yeah and I think now I'm finally to the other side of that where like that reconnection piece is making me feel more grounded and connected and um I, I don't I don't think safe is the right word yet um, mm-hmm. because, you know, a, as the news continue to trickle out, you realize all the connections you have to the, the tragedy and people um, who are experiencing very direct loss, people who have, you know, a couple lines removed. And so it's it's going to be a long process in the midst of this massive trauma that we're all experiencing anyway in the pandemic. It's just like mm-hmm. trauma on trauma on trauma on trauma. It's so true. You know, the day after I had to go to the grocery store mm. and um, the girls asked if they could come, but if the whole family could go. They wanted everybody there, not just to go with me. Mm. And we went in and to a King Supers and it happened to be exactly 24 hours after the shooting. And so while we're in the store, they asked for a moment of silence mm. And then they had a memorial for the three King Supers employees who had died Mm -hmm. at the Boulder store. Um, 
And you just can't help. It's just human nature to think like, okay, so what if this happened right now? Like, what would I do? I don't even know. And all these thoughts are going through your head. And more than anything, it's just like, these people are just coming in here to buy fucking groceries. Mm -hmm. Like, they were just coming, like, some of them just to get, like, a bag of chips. And, um... That was not lost on me. Yeah. And and just like, this isn't right. This isn't fucking right. I don't know what the answer is, but this isn't fucking right. And my kids shouldn't be scared to go to the grocery store. I shouldn't be scared to go to the grocery store. And yet, this is the reality we're living in right now. This is America. I know. God. Uh, one, uh, levity isn't the right word because nothing feels like yet. But I got an email yesterday from a... Um, a gun organization, like a, um, I can't even think of the word now, gun reform organization. Mm, mm-hmm. And they're re- doing a fundraiser um, and specifically talking about the massacre in Boulder. And uh, Michael Bloomberg was doing a three-for-one match. And I was reading the email and like kind of crying, feeling teary-eyed. And then I got to that part and I was like, even in my grief, I can tell you that's bad fucking fundraising. <laughs> Clearly, you haven't been listening to the nonprofit reframe. I'm going to just forward that on. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love it. Oh, my gosh. You would have been much better off doing a one-to-one. One-to-one. Yep. Three-to-one. That's confusing. What the fuck does it even mean? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, that's great. That's great. Well... You're right. You got you got to find some levity because you got to keep moving. Mm-hmm. And um, I know part of us keeping moving is this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's something I look forward to doing every single week. Mm-hmm. And it never feels like a chore or a job. And, well, maybe because we don't get paid for it. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I am excited to be here today right now in this moment and um i'm excited to talk about shitty boards (laughs) so we are titling this episode board members behaving badly um because anybody who's worked for a nonprofit has probably experienced this at some point in their careers um the stories are endless and i want to be clear this is about specific board members we, we've talked a lot about some of the structures within boards that make it really challenging. But generally speaking, most board members intend well, want to help the missions they're serving, but some of them go astray. And so I have developed four specific... <laughs> You're already grinning. <laughs> I love it. Well, so I had said to Nia right before we started, we have a mutual friend who every time we do an episode, she's an avid listener, and every time we do an episode where we, like, call out boards or shitty boards or shitty board members, she always either texts me or calls me and says, man, you were really harsh today on boards. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm already imagining <laughs> the feedback we're going to get. But you know, we have this many episodes about it for a reason. Yes. This is a, it's a big issue. It really, really genuinely is. Um, so anyway, I have created four personas of bad board members. No way. I cannot wait. 
So uh, we'll go through each. Figured we'll tell some stories because I'm quite sure you've experienced all of these. Um, And I'm sure our listeners have too. So folks out there, feel free to email us and let us know about your badly behaving board members. Um, And I'm going to kind of do these in order of like least bad to like truly toxic. Okay. So the first board persona, I'm calling the Sharon. The Sharon with the bake sale. The Sharon with the gala program that she took from another organization. The Sharon who really, really wants to be involved, wants to be helpful, and does it in all the wrong ways. Yes. Have you had a Sharon (laughs) in a board? I've had many, many Sharons. And Sharons can also be a... Baron, I don't know. <laughs> like it doesn't have to just be a woman, right? Yes, so, I mean all of these names gender neutrally. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Because I've had both. Yes. And yes, absolutely. Um, that's why I'm always really nervous when board members ask me or somebody asks me. They're on a board. Let me start over. I always get nervous when somebody is on a board and asks me if I can talk to their development director. Oh, God. (laughs) Which happens frequently. Mm -hmm. And I'm always more than happy to do that. But I'm thinking, oh, gosh, what is this person thinking on the other end of it? Because they're getting what you're talking Mm -hmm. about. You know, well, I got an email from so-and-so, or I went to so-and-so's event, and they did this and this and this, and why don't we do that? And we should really be considering this. And and all of it, again, well-intentioned. Totally. Almost, probably 80% of it is delivery. Yeah. Like, if they just poop sandwiched me, if they started by talking (laughs) about how I did something really great, and then said... But, you know, I did see that so-and-so does this and then ended with something great that I did. I would hear totally. it. Totally. But when they're just coming at me with, like, you know, X organization is doing it better because of, the, you know, I stopped listening. Yeah. Well, and I feel like half the time that the Sharons of the board do that, I just want to be like, read the fundraising strategy. Read the strategic plan, right? Like, what you're talking about doesn't fit in these things. And I shouldn't have to be the one to educate you. Because you're a board member, you should know this shit. And that's when I get really frustrated. Or they're making – the example that they're using doesn't translate to the mission mm-hmm. of the current organization. Yep. So um, I don't know how to say this without – so I used to work at this organization and we had this really great um, – fundraiser where people slept outside overnight Mm -hmm. and the organization helped people who were experiencing homelessness it directly tied to the mission of the organization and then if I move organizations and I'm no longer working in the space of homelessness you can't just have people sleep outside (laughs) overnight to raise money for whatever organization you're now at. Oh, my God. I love that. I mean, I've had that before. Like, we should do something like that. And I was like, well, that that doesn't make sense. No. We, we're not in homeless. We're not working in homelessness. Yeah. There have been points in my career where I wish I had just like a one pager that I could hand them to be like, here's why we're not doing a run. 
let me just put it on your desk. I, I, I don't have time to answer that question anymore. This We're just not doing a run. Right. Right. And I think what it really comes down to is we talk about this a lot, that it's so easy as fundraisers to get distracted mm-hmm. with you know, squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. Oh, we've got Amazon Smile and we got to do this and we got to do this and we got to do this. And usually, more often than not, you don't have the bandwidth to do all of it. So it's really about, you know, the really successful fundraisers or organizations, not just the individual person, recognizes where is their time best well spent. And anytime someone else comes up, it doesn't mean that we don't want a good idea, but is it really where the time is best well spent? Right. And here's where the power dynamic comes up too. So if a board member comes in and says, we need to do this, I think there's this added pressure on staff to be like, okay, we're going to research it. We're going to give it a good faith effort, even if we know it's not worth our time. But a board member told us to, and so now we have to. Yep. It's not, it's not just an idea. It's not just a suggestion when it comes from a board member. I actually, I was thinking back to like my early days as as an executive director when maybe I was a bit more trepidatious, not quite as confident. And I had a board member come in and be like, I was at this this person's gala. Here's all of their sponsors. Can you look them all up? And I had to create a fucking spreadsheet to be like, okay, here's who we know here. This, This company isn't a good fit for this reason. This company has this application process. And I created, like, all of this information for them, which I shouldn't have had to do. Like, I already knew it wasn't a good line of inquiry for us. Right. Right. And it's, I mean, you kind of want to say, how about you contact them? But then you're also like, oh, but please don't because I don't trust you (laughs) to represent (laughs) us. Uh, I know. It's, It's hard because, again, I hear, like, my friend's voice in the in the back of my head talking of like well but what are we supposed to do as board members when we want to be helpful right you know we're just trying to be helpful and wouldn't you rather have an engaged board member who's paying attention to stuff like that than someone who's just phoning it in and not really you know just attending meetings but not really doing anything other than that and it's true I hear that. It's true. But if we're feeling agitated about it, it's because we probably don't have, we haven't put the time in to build the relationship. So it feels like you don't know what you're doing in your job instead of like, hey, we're working together. We're a partnership. The board, the staff, like we're working together to try um, to find new ways to reach more people or make more money and here's an idea take it or leave it um and so maybe that's the lesson yeah that well I think actually what you said earlier too about like how it's approached you know as a fundraiser if I'm sitting in a board meeting and a board member brings up an idea for the entire board to consider we have to have that conversation Whereas if that board member took me aside one-on-one, maybe even emailed me, we could have a conversation about it. And maybe I could even explain why it was a good idea, why it wasn't a good idea, how that might or might not fit in. But even just bringing it up at a board meeting on the whole puts the fundraiser on the spot, makes it a whole board discussion when a lot of the times it really isn't appropriate for the full board to do that. And if you don't have a strong enough board chair, it's going to happen. 
So it's like the yeah. time, the place, the context, the relationship, all of that has to be taken into consideration for board members so that that power dynamic doesn't get exploited. Right. And I, I know I feel like I'm contradicting myself when I say this because I'm, I'm talking about building relationships. And so, you know, I'm very pro board members reaching out and trying to build relationships with staff. Um, but that being said, if that staff member already has a relationship with, let's say, a fundraising chair, I don't know. Do you have a fundraising committee, a development committee? Is there a chair of that on the board? They could also, you know, pass that on to them. Exactly. Yep. And then that person could bring it to the next committee meeting. Or. And it could be discussed there. Yeah. Or as a peer, be able to say, yeah, thanks, Sharon. We're not doing that this year. Right. And it's a totally different dynamic when it's another board member. Yeah. Okay, so that's Sharon with the bake sale. Next we have Brad, who doesn't show up. Oh, like we were talking about, who like never shows up. Yeah, or if he does, he's like really phoning it in. You can tell like on the Zoom, he's got another screen open. He's responding to emails. He'll like not even look over at the camera and raise his hand to vote. Chad, who doesn't show. I thought it was Brad. Sorry, Brad, who doesn't show. Thank you. <laughs> maybe maybe Chad doesn't either. Chad's coming up later. <laughs> I was jumping the gun. We're oh. still on Brad. Okay. Okay. Well, so it's so interesting because when I hear that, the first thing I think of is, um, and I've heard this so many times, well, if the board member's not engaged, it's because we haven't done enough to tell them all the ways that they can get involved. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, I don't understand when you're taking on a volunteer role like this and presumably going through an application process and maybe even an interview process, not everywhere. I mean, trust me, I've worked some places like, oh, you want to be a board member? Great. You're a board member. <laughs> like, that's the process. But then there's other places that really have, you know, a recruiting uh, process and, by the time they get involved, I just feel like some of the onus needs to be on the person to read the fucking website at the very least, yeah. to like the social media channels and follow them. I mean, I don't I don't know how much has to be given when we know people don't read emails. Right? Nobody wants to sit on a Zoom call nowadays for more than an hour. And you're so you're trying to cram all this stuff in. Even when it's in-person meetings, nobody wants to meet more than once a month. So, yeah. I mean, I, I just feel like that really shouldn't be a staff issue, even though that's who ends up not benefiting, right? Because yeah. – but it that needs to be a board chair's responsibility to say hey chad let's go to lunch or let's get coffee how's your experience been on the board you know is there any area that you're interested in getting involved in that you haven't brad yep oh god <laughs> see you changed I know it it's my and fault. now it's, it's my fault. yeah but you i think you're entirely correct like i i far too often hear board members ask for additional communication from staff 
Oh, that is my absolute pet peeve. And I, I always want to be like, okay, you aren't even staying up with the communication that's going out to the general community, but yet you think as a board member you should get specialized communication on top of that? No. Read the email newsletter. Follow social media. That is actually a key part of being a board member is ensuring that you know what's going on. And the executive director shouldn't have to send you weekly updates in order to do that. Absolutely. I feel like we need to be talking more about this. I've never really heard it ever stated in a board meeting or to a board or a board recruitment that one of your responsibilities as a board member is going to be to read, you know, the four times annual paper newsletter, the once monthly e-newsletter, and to follow on social media channels Mm -hmm. what we're doing. When I sit on boards, I will often specifically call out things that I've been seeing, like, oh, my gosh, that story of the little girl who donated her piggy bank. That was so great. Just to, like, model. There is a ton of amazing content that our staff is producing and pushing out to the world. That's where you need to be getting it. Stop asking for more client stories in the executive director report. We're, we're putting it out already. I one time used to put together these binders with probably a hundred pages in each binder. Fucking board binders. That had <laughs> that had client stories, financials, mission statement, vision statement, values, um, write-ups, one pagers of each of the programs, um, stats from the last year, annual reports. Do you think anybody read no, it? One hundred percent no. They never read it. I had one board member that would bring it religiously to every board meeting. I don't know if it meant he actually used it or read it, but I told him that he was my hero <laughs> because he was the only person. He was the only time I ever saw him again. Like once I dispersed them, it's like they disappeared yeah. and never to be seen again. But guaranteed, I had someone like, well, do you think we could get, it would be easier for me to talk to my friends if I had more client stories. Oh, my God. Or can you write up a one-pager on messaging for this one thing? Mm -hmm. No. Go on the website. That's where the messaging is. Can you put together, um, like, social media posts, (laughs) like, pre-written that I can copy and paste? Which I've done, and I get it. Like, people are busy, and sometimes it's easier to just, like, okay, great, copy and paste, throw this in. But honestly, if you're following the social media, all you have to do is reshare yeah. what the organization's already posted. Exactly. <sighs> My other comment on Brad is that the most common Brads that I experience are ones who are there because um, of some sort of employer yes. connection. Yes. You know, it's like the bank's position on the board that is always maintained and somebody new just fills it every two years. And so they don't have an actual connection to the organization. They're doing this to check a box. Um, and when you confront them about it, they usually feel really shitty. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that Brad didn't volunteer for it. Right. That his name was just the next one in line. And so they're like, Brad, you get X organization. You're on their board now. Yeah. So if we have any CSR folks, people in corporations that have 
a structure like that, please stop. I mean, sure, have a board requirement. Let them pick the organization they serve on. Let it be something that's actually exciting to them because then they will be the board member who shows up prepared and engaged and ready to have the discussion. I'm sick of brads. I really, really am. They just drag everything down. The other thing is if you are a company that does this, then you should have expectations lined, like written out of what is expected of your representatives on these boards. Because what ends up happening, first of all, it doesn't look great for your company. Mm -hmm. Just going to say it. And the other thing is when Brad is sometimes asked about it, the answer is, and I, this kills me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just so busy right now. Brad says that a lot. And it's kind of like, well, then you shouldn't be on the board. And I get it that life happens and things change. I've had board members do that, that have had a family thing or something come up personally, who've either said, A, I have to recuse myself and like leave the board because of it, or I know what I'm going through is temporary and I really love the board and I want to continue to be a part of it, but I can't show up right now. And so I'd like to take a three-month or four-month hiatus and I'll be back. And I so appreciate that, that level of awareness of like, I just can't. I can't show up. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to show up, then you shouldn't be on it. Yeah. You know, the reverse of this, and I don't see this all that often, but I have seen it a couple times. When it feels like 90% of the board is Brad's, that might be then that you have way too high of expectations for your board members. Maybe you're meeting too frequently, too long, too something. But, you know, it goes from it being an individual who maybe shouldn't be on the board to a structural issue with your board and the expectations for everybody. Last thing about Brad. The other thing I've heard from Brad's is I don't find these meetings useful. Yeah, which a lot of board meetings aren't. (laughs) Right. So whether it's a board meeting or a committee meeting, it's like it feels like a waste of my time. And so, again, I feel like it goes on the board chair to do check-ins with Brad and say, how are you feeling? And then maybe get some feedback about ways to improve the meeting. Or instead of it, I don't know, I ran a committee once and I had someone say that to me, like, well, I just don't really want to be on this committee because it just feels like a waste of my time. It's like, oh, well... I thought you were here to help. Right. <laughs> and if you feel like what we're doing is not useful, can't you maybe give us some suggestions on what would be useful and maybe help us become more effective rather than just opting out because our problems aren't worth your time? Yep. Because that's what I hear. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Brad's. Brad. Okay. You ready for the Karen? Mm, Bring on Karen. Karen's got the complaints. Karen's got the concerns. Karen um, is a bit reticent to change. Um, Karen could be racist. (laughs) Karen could be a lot of things. But generally, Karen is a pain in the ass. Karen's um, opinionated and loud about it. Yes. 
and wants everybody to know. Mm-hmm. And Karen might feel like there is an injustice at play, but it's usually <laughs> not an injustice for those who um, tend to not have a mm-hmm. voice. I like the most common kind of Karen comments. Oh, that was a lot of K sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, that are they don't seem like they're a big deal but they pile on are the little things like mm, well I wanted to be prepared for this meeting but the board packet wasn't sent out seven days in advance it was only sent out six days in advance um, which goes against our procedure so I'm just not going to be ready for the meeting <laughs> I'm sorry I'm laughing because it's such a great example. I've heard that so many times. Right. I had a Karen say that for a board meeting that was scheduled a week after the floods hit Boulder. Oh, my God. I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't get the board packet to you in time while I was making sure our kids and volunteers were literally fucking alive. Right. Well, and that's the thing. It's such... <laughs> That process of getting that board packet together <laughs> is so fucking cumbersome. Like, it it takes so much time, and it usually falls directly on the CEO or the ED to do yeah. it. And I can't tell you how many EDs or CEOs that I've worked with who are in a frenzy. Totally. The days before, like the couple days before, trying to pull everything together for the packet. Mm-hmm. Of which no one reads. So unfortunately true. I mean, Brad's not reading it. Brad Brad doesn't even know it exists. <laughs> Brad doesn't know how to access it. <laughs> we have a board portal. What's that? <laughs> What's the password? <laughs> but yeah, like Karen just has a le- level of entitlement. It, it's kind of the folks who come in with this persona of, I'm a volunteer. You should be treating me extra mm-hmm. well. Because of what I'm doing here. And it, it, it gets so far away from that partnership mentality that we want with board mm-hmm. members. And it expects us to kiss their fucking feet. And Karen has been on a lot of boards. Yeah. Yeah. So she knows how things should be run. Yeah. Last time when I was on the board of XYZ organization, um, this is the kind of way we would run things. And I just think it worked way better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Karen's the reason I drink. (laughs) You don't even have a board. (laughs) But so many boards I work with have Karen's. Genuinely. Well, Karen is why you're in business. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's why you get all those board board training contracts. There you go. Thanks, Karen. (laughs) But Karen can, I think, just erode the psyche of staff with the the constant tiny little complaints right it's not necessarily big things every time it's just it, it's probably a little passive aggressive and it just builds on itself each meeting to the point where your chief executive does not want to engage with her at all um i have seen so many karens make staff cry yes totally Mm-hmm. And I want to be very clear with this. They are not mutually exclusive. 
But in my experience, a lot of Karens that I have worked with on boards tend to also be bigger financial contributors to the organization. Mm-hmm. Have friends. Yep. That give bigger amounts mm-hmm. financially to the organization. And so with that comes a level of, well, look what I'm doing for the organization. I mean, it's such a level of entitlement, too, that so often staff feel like they have to play into it because they could lose Karen, Karen's friends, and the dollars that come with her. I think you're totally right. Oh, 100%. I mean, how many times have you been in an organization where they're saying, we just need to get some um, capacity on the board? Which basically means, like, we just need a rich person. We just need somebody who can add a couple zeros to that check. Who's Mm well-connected. And, again, making my disclaimer, because I have also had a lot of people on boards that have been able to do that, that are amazing board members, and a lot of people on boards who aren't bringing financially that stuff but are contributing in ways that are so invaluable, like in other ways. However... We talk about the power dynamics, and that's a huge power dynamic. And so what happens is is that I feel the CEO or the ED, depending on who they are, but tend to be less likely to create a boundary with Karen. Mm -hmm. And if Karen is the board chair, oh, you're fucked. Oh, God, forget about it. Yep. Forget about it. Hence why I never want to be CEO. Right? (laughs) Fuck that. So our last persona is Chad. Chad with the ego. Not to be confused with Brad. No, no, no. Brad's absent. Chad is everywhere because he is that important. Oh, and because he knows that much. Because he works for some Fortune 500 company or he's worked, he owns his own business that he's had and is a leader in his industry. And so therefore he knows everything there is to know about nonprofit everything. Yes. I also find that Chad with the ego is um, likely to be in a leadership position, which then means that that ego can become super fucking toxic. Mm-hmm. It's the Chad who assumes I will be the next board chair. I have put in the time. It is my fucking turn. Obviously, I'm the only one who could even fulfill this role properly mm-hmm. without checking in with staff, without checking in with the rest of the board. They just feel this level of self-importance that supersedes reality. I think Chad also uses his connections as a way of um, gaining – what do I want to say? Like gaining, well, leadership's ear mm-hmm. of like, oh, well, I can get you a meeting with so-and-so. Yeah. And then and they so-and-so never is do. my friend. <laughs> right. And so-and-so and I, we went to college together. Mm-hmm. And so I can be your in there. Yeah. And so you're constantly like, oh, oh, Chad's the greatest. I like Chad. Chad's the greatest. And then nothing ever happens. The worst is when you have Chad in a leadership position on the board and then your chief executive is also a bit of a Chad. And together, not only is it like diabolical, but the rest of us on the board, I mean, clearly we have no role to play because the two of them are going to lead the fucking world. Right. But right. also our opinions matter zilch. 
because they've already decided it. Right. Yep. Uh, I've seen that too. Right. Well, because I think that that, again, I know that you have been the leader of an organization, um, but I've seen it too many times where sometimes um, particularly the Karens and the Chads create this dynamic with the CEO or ED that – the rest of the staff also, because you're. Ta- I love that you're bringing it up the- as a board member. You're like, great. What the hell am I even here for? And then as a staff member, there's they're not creating that boundary, and so then staff is like, what the hell? Why are we doing all this stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I have been in a meeting where my you know leadership was there, and it was a board meeting. And a Chad talked to me in a way that was unbelievably unprofessional. Mm. And nobody said anything. Yeah. Nobody said a word. Mm-hmm. And so I had to sit there and defend myself. <sighs> and that's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. All because he was in this leadership role and he could ask whatever he wanted. Yep. And in this particular instance, he was asking for things that I didn't feel like I, – I felt like it was busy work. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I can put those reports together and it's going to take me three hours to do it. But what information are you actually going to be gaining from those reports that's going to inform anything that we're doing? Yeah. Like, I'm happy to provide it if there's a reason for it. But if you're just asking for it because you want to show that you're in a power role – and you can ask me to do whatever, then I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Oh, man. I just got, like, anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can think of there was one client I had where there was this dynamic where, like, both the chief executive and the board chair were chads. Um, but I had been retained to help with the strategic planning process from their strategic planning committee chair, who was not one of those two people. So I show up at the first meeting. I'm like, hey, get me up to speed. What have you all been working on? Let me know where you are in the process. And the board chair, Chad, and the ED, Chad, basically presented me their strategic plan that the two of them had unilaterally come up with. Oh. And of course, the strategic planning chair is like, what the fuck? I haven't seen any of this. We, we haven't even started like stakeholder feedback, anything. How the fuck can you come up with a strategic plan in isolation, the two of you, and the two of them were so upset that people were basically questioning their process that they shut the whole thing down. Wow. It was wild. Like that, when I say like chads can be toxic, that's the kind of toxicity I mean. Like they have such an ability to dominate spaces beyond reconciliation. Yeah. Yeah, and how many times in this conversation do we say, well, that's the board chair's role to monitor this, monitor that. But if they are the board chair, then and then they're essentially the boss of the ED CEO, like who whose role yeah. is to put them in check, right? Well, and if the board also doesn't have processes in place around like executive committee appointments and nominating of new board members, the board chair, Chad, can have so much power. 
like when I said I would like to be an officer and the board chair said, you're too young, sit back and shut up. Wow. Yeah. Those are the kinds of folks that I, I would love for us to just like rid boards of. It goes against partnership. It goes against building trust. And at the end of the day, it probably goes against our core mission. Right. Absolutely. And I always think about it, too, um, because when you've been at a an organization for a while, you have lived through multiple iterations of the board, right? Yeah. As people come on, roll off, come on, roll off, new leadership. They're there for such a finite amount of time, but w- the impact they can have on the organization can have a ripple effect, yeah. both positive and negative. Absolutely. And in this case, we're talking about negatively. And um, where you're creating an environment that is not inclusive, where other board members don't feel like they have a voice and they start leaving, they're not renewing their term, um, it, it just... At the end of the day, it's the organization that that it hurts, yeah. you know. You know, I think when I'm thinking of these four personas, I'm going to say it. I'm thinking white folks. Yeah. So my, my suspicion is that a lot of this also flies in the face of the equity work that organizations are trying to do. So if yeah. you're thinking about your board right now as you're listening to us right now, right now, right now, right now. Right now? right now, if you are thinking about your board and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, Joe is totally a Sharon or, you know, whatever, and you are working towards inclusion and equity, you got to start addressing this. And it's not yeah. easy whatsoever. Um, it causes conflict, which most boards are very avoidant of. And if you do it, it'll serve your mission better. Yep. You know, maybe we should create four personas of, did I say it? Four personas of um, delightful board members. Okay. Stay with us next week. We'll talk about the good ones. <laughs> How, we want to hear about you, hear from you. Let Tell us about your Chads, your Brads, your Sharons, your Karens. We want to hear about it because then we'll do four other personas and we'd love to hear about those too it'd be great to get a nice array of uh stories of working with different board members how can they send us their stories before i say that did you notice how beautifully those rhymed i know Chad, it was so great Brad, sharon karen <laughs> you're good you're good at what you do you're good um yes you can email us nonprofitreframe at gmail.com you can follow us on facebook and instagram we'll definitely be posting more about these personas Um, And you can also direct message us on either platform. So let us know what you think. And please remember that your nonprofits need you right now. They always need you. They continue to need you, um, both as volunteers, but also as donors. So you can work in a nonprofit and be a donor. That can happen. Support your local nonprofits. Give and give generously. Thanks, folks. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com and Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.